Today we're going to talk about a very important subject in our series here on End Times Prophecy. It's a subject matter that I hope and pray that no one here in this room is ever going to have to find out the events of the tribulation. We've talked about the rapture of the church. We know this, that there's going to be a trump that's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds to forever be with Christ. And from that point, we're with Christ in heaven. But there's going to be an event that takes place after, after the rapture of the church. And we looked at that event. We talked about that event being the tribulation. And there's going to be a, the Antichrist, the one world ruler that is going to rule this world uh, during the tribulation. And so I'm gonna, I want to speak to you today about this. And I want to give us some information. Again, I hope I'm, I hope I'm speaking to people that will not be here during the tribulation time. But maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I hope that today as we study this, this portion of our series, that you would come to know Christ as your Savior. Those that are saved, we have an opportunity this very week to go to uh, the Lucas County Fair and to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that needs him. These things, these things that we study and we learn, it ought to motivate us as Christians to be better soul winners. It ought to motivate us as Christians to take the gospel truth and to give it to a world that needs Jesus because what God is going to do during the tribulation period when he pours his wrath out upon this earth, it's going to be tribulation like it, this earth has never seen before. But today I want to give you, we're going to be in several different passages of scripture so you can follow along in your Bible. I'll also have the verses here on the screen for you as well. And if you want to take notes, uh, I encourage you here to do that today. But we're going to look today at the Antichrist, the the one world ruler. And over the years, many have speculated concerning the identity of this one, the Antichrist. Jesus prophesied it, that many would speak of the Antichrist and many, many possible candidates uh, could arise. And he said here in Matthew 24, 11, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. There have been many people that have come and that have claimed to be the, the Antichrist or claimed to be Christ, but we know this, that none of those are true, but we know this is going to happen. Jesus himself said, there's going to be many false prophets that are going to arise. There's going to be many that claim this. And um, we find as well, we find in Matthew 24, 24, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Imagine to have that kind of power to even those that know the truth could be fooled. The Antichrist is going to have great power the Antichrist, when he comes, the true Antichrist is going to come and he's going to deceive many. Matter of fact, there's going to be a great lie that he's going to tell and, and he's going to deceive all those that, that uh, will hear him. And it's going to be a, a horrible thing, a dangerous thing that takes place here. John said this in 1 John 2.18, little children, it is the last time and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. And we find this, that many antichrists are going to come. 
But I want to I give you this, these two thoughts here this morning as we introduce this message. Two common errors concerning prophecy teaching. Many a times you're going to find where people are setting the date for the return of Christ. And we know that, that that's a dangerous thing. Matthew chapter number 24, 36. Jesus says that no one knows the day or the hour. So be very careful as you study end time prophecy. A lot of people, especially today, they like to study. And you get on the internet and begin to listen to people. And, and uh, I, I think there was a book, uh, 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 so many reasons, 88 reasons why Jesus was going to come in 1988. Was that a, was that a book? Did anybody see that book? Well, 1988 is come and gone and he hadn't come yet. And so the author wrote why he was, why he had that wrong. And then it was 89 reasons why it was 1989. And, and, uh, he just kept getting it wrong. The reason why is this, if anyone comes to you and tells you, this is when it's going to happen, be careful. It's a false teacher. No man, Jesus himself doesn't know. Only the father knows when that time is going to be. And so know this, that that is a error. That is false teaching. If someone begins to set a date for the return of Christ. And then secondly, when someone begins to attempt the specific identity of the antichrist. Now there's some, there's some that you might hear today think this person's the antichrist. Be very careful when someone begins to teach and show you and tell you this person is the Antichrist because we don't know who that person is. But of the day and the hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And so as we study today the Antichrist, don't, don't think that I'm going to give you who it is and when Jesus is coming. Because no one knows but the Father. So let's get into this passage of scripture here today. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 3 says this. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed in the son of perdition. And so we know this to be true. The Bible gives us several, several uh, 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 titles of the one world ruler. This is not something that's just mentioned one time in the Bible and, 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 and glossed over. But you're going to find here, and we won't go through all of these scripture references, but I'll leave this up if you're interested. You can go through and you can write these down and, and find. These are the titles that the Bible gives. So as you're studying through the Bible, as you're researching the topics of the end time, you're going to find the Bible calls him the beast in Daniel 7, 11, and Revelation 13.1. He's called the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. He's, he's called the son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians 2.3 as well. He's called that wicked in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. He's called the antichrist in 1 John 2.18. The little horn, and we're going to see that studied out later here in this uh, series here today. The little horn, that is uh, significant here as we study Daniel 7 verse number 8. The abomination of desolation, Matthew 24.15. The prince that shall come, Daniel describes him as in Daniel 9.26. A king of fierce countenance, Daniel says in Daniel 8.23. The king shall do according to his will. He is called in Daniel 11.36. So we find the Bible gives us many descriptions about the Antichrist. Now something interesting had just happened in our, in our world this past week. Something very interesting. 
Because in order for the Antichrist to come, the in order for the Antichrist to be the one world re uh, ruler, the, the kingdoms and the rulers of this world must form an alliance and must agree to such a thing. The Bible tells us that's going to happen. And for so many years, so many could never see all the world allowing one person to control them because of the sovereignty of every different nation. This past week, we saw, uh, how many of you saw on the news, the, the G20 summit that took place? It's 20 rulers of the world, 20 of the largest economies of the world coming together to talk about trade, to talk about the direction that this world is going to go. And something interesting happened. We, um, and I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. That's not my place here today. But, but to just simply state the fact that our country, our president, pulled out of the climate uh, uh, accord. And all the other 19 nations said this. America is not allowed to. Could you imagine that? A country in this world doesn't have the sovereignty to decide what it's going to do and what it's not going to do. The other nation said this, he may think he's going to, but he does not have the ability to pull out of this accord. What they're saying is this, they are going to control the direction of this country. And with their power of trade, with their power of money, with their power of influence, these nations are going to seek to control the events that happen over this entire world. I read a newspaper article this weekend, one man stands alone. And it was a picture of our president. Now, I believe this. Some look at America and where America is in end time prophecy. If you study through the Bible, you don't find the, the uh, America mentioned in end time prophecy. Some have said this, it's because America uh, maybe is fight, fights in a war and America no longer exists as a nation. And I don't necessarily believe that's going to be true because you don't find a war like that that takes place before these end times as well. I don't know this to be the case, but I do know this to be true. When Jesus Christ comes back, all those that know Jesus Christ as their savior is going to be raptured here out of this earth. I know this as well, the only country that a majority, a, a, a good majority of its leadership could be raptured when the Lord returns is going to be this country. When Lord returns, Israel, many in Israel's leadership is not going to be raptured. They've rejected the Messiah. Now they will, they will accept the Messiah uh, uh, in, uh, in the tribulation as after the battle we talked about last week, the two weeks pre previous. But at this moment, many of them reject the Messiah. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. The Muslim nations of this world, they don't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the deity of Christ. They do not believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he is the way, the truth, and life, that no man cometh unto the Father but by him. The large majority of the nations of this world don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. If you look at the European Union, most of that, most of those countries, they've rejected the influence of God. They've rejected Christ. That once where the revivals took place in this world and where they started from, that now is a graveyard. It's a graveyard for the gospel. Many church buildings in the European nations now are turned over to restaurants and nightclubs and bars. I just read an article this past week, and it was on, heard it on Fox News. They were speaking of these beautiful buildings, these beautiful church buildings that no longer are being attended as churchgoers. There are now places of, of secularism and worldly lust takes place in these buildings that once 
they came to worship God. They say this, 36% of millennials have no identity at all with God or any church affiliation. Most of the world is re has rejected Christ. This nation, we are blessed in this nation. Many of our political leaders, many of those that are making decisions, many of those that are in our military. Could you imagine? I pastored a church in Columbus, Georgia, and we saw many, 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 many people saved. We have a great military, and we have many people saved in our military. We have Clayton here today serving in our military. He's a saved man. And when that trumpet sounds, I don't care if he's in Syria or Afghanistan or in, in uh, the United States, he's gone. Could you imagine the Trump sounds and the mightiest army, the mightiest fighting force in the world, many of their fighters are gone? I know this. Our vice president claims to be saved. He'd be gone. I've met many politicians that claim to be saved, claim to know Jesus Christ as your savior. They'd be gone. Could you imagine in a moment that no one could describe and no one could explain a country, a majority of its leadership in high places from mayors all the way to, to national uh, figures in, in federal office, gone without any explanation? What would happen to that country? The reality is this, every other country in this world, many, it wouldn't affect them at all. And so we find, we find something I want you to read here USA Today report. Pope uh, Benedict today called for reforming the United Nations and establishing a true world political authority with real teeth to manage the global economy with God-centered ethics. Listen, when, when, when the leader of a large religious body calls on the United Nations to manage the world economy, it isn't difficult to see how a one-world leader will be accepted by both religious and economic powers in this world. In recent, the recent replacement, there was a, a, uh, a G8, but now they've been recently replaced by the G20. That further indicates a growing desire for international regulation in a world economy as, as the following article reveals. I want you to read the, uh, hear this article. An administration official says that the group of 20 nations will assume the role of a permanent council on global economic cooperation. The official who spoke on condition uh, uh, before, the, before the official announcement said the group of eight major industrial nations would continue to meet on matters of common importance such as national security. The uh, official said this, President Obama initiated the move and it will be announced this Friday. This is obviously an older article when, I, when President Obama was the president. But our, our country promoting a G20 so that they can make economic decisions that affect this world. The dark and murky waters of a secular humanism, meaning this, there is no God. Or you can worship God whatever way you want to worship God. Or God can be to you whoever you want God to be. That's not the God of the Bible. I 
myself and Tyler Tanzel, we were witnessing to someone just, just this past Friday evening and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that person said to both of us, you know, I believe in God, but I just don't believe who Jesus Christ is. Well, you can't believe, you can't get to the Father unless you go through Jesus Christ. The deity of Christ is what our foundation is upon. Jesus was not just a good man. Jesus was not just a good teacher. Jesus was not just a good prophet. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is God. And so we find, we find here today this humanistic philosophy. Humanism denies God, denounces, denounces accountability to biblical morality. It's not a wonder why you look at the things of this world. Why do you think that the things the Bible stands for, the world is against? You see these all over the world today. I was, I was, I was uh, uh, just appalled to, to, to find this fact out during my studies that we don't give any foreign aid to any country unless they have legalized abortion. The United States of America will not give aid to a foreign country unless that country has legalized abortion. You look at the things, the events that are taking place on the world stage, and it seems like this, whatever the Bible is for, the world is against. Whatever we stand for as Christians, the world calls us narrow-minded or bigoted because we stand upon the principles of God's word. Humanism, humanism, it defies, it denounces God, it denounces biblical morality. Humanism. In the Humanist Manifesto, I want, you, I want to read you this article. It states this. It, we deplore the divisions of humankind on nationalistic grounds. We have reached a turning point in human history where the best option is to transcend the limits of national sovereignty and to move toward the building of a world community in which all sectors of human family can participate. Thus, we look to develop a system of world law and of world order based upon transnational federal government. What they're saying is this, we just need one government to rule the world. No more do we need borders. No more do we want sovereignty of nations. What we need, the answer to this world, is not the sovereignty of individual nations, but the answer to this world is all humankind is in one place ruled by one central government. What is that government? That government is the government that will be set up for the Antichrist, the one world ruler, to lead this world. Humanistic, uh, uh, a humanist would like to remove all national boundaries, all transcend national sovereignty and create a global government. And we see, we see those things happening. I remember when I was a lot younger, my dad was pastoring and in, in studying these, these, uh, these events. At the time when he was studying those things, it was difficult for him to see a one world economy or a one world government because at that time, those things didn't exist. Now, not only are they existing, we see those things unfolding in our, before our very eyes. I want to look today at the description of the beast. The description here of the beast. 
In Revelation chapter number 13, verses one through two, follow along with me if you would please. And we see this, the Bible says this, and I stood upon the sand of the sea. This is John speaking. John has been exiled to the uh, Isle of Patmos and the Holy Spirit of God is, is, is allowing John to write the book of Revelation. And I saw upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horns, 10 crowns. And upon his head, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon uh, gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. In Revelation 13, 3 and 4, it goes on to read this. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. We're going to come back to that statement in just a few moments. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And so we find, we find Revelation. Revelation tells us the description of the beast. In these four verses, we find the beast. This is the Antichrist that John begins to tell us about here in Revelation chapter number three. And we find the Antichrist's place of origin. As John was penning the book of Revelation, he was uh, uh, there exiled to the island of Patmos there in the Mediterranean Sea. In his description, what we read of here in Revelation, his description of the beast coming from the sea, it indicates that the Antichrist is going to come from a European Mediterranean uh, background or European uh, Mediterranean region. We find that uh, the place of origin. And we find this to be true according to Daniel's chapter number seven in verse number eight through 24. We won't read all of those verses, but if you'll write those down, he leads the European union of Gentile nations. We find that about the Antichrist that Daniel says in Daniel chapter number seven. Also, we find in Daniel chapter number nine of the Antichrist, his covenant with Israel, he promises promises Gentile protection for Israel. And so we find that the Antichrist is going to provide protection from the Gentiles against Israel. And so we find that this, the origin, the, the, the origin of the Antichrist, these horns that John speaks about, they represent the world kingdoms that's going to give, that are going to give the Antichrist power. John speaks of these 10 horns. Daniel also speaks of these 10 horns. Look with me in Daniel chapter number seven, verse number 24. In the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise. And so we know there's going to be 10 kings that are going to rise and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. And so the Antichrist is going to rise to the power among these leaders of the world. Somehow, we're not sure how, according to the Daniel chapter 7, we just know it's going to happen. Somehow, he's going to set three of these 10 main world powers aside, and he is going to establish himself in authority. And that, that little horn that we'll see here in just a little, little bit here is going to then rule. These 10 kings are going to rule. One is going to come out, which is going to be the Antichrist. Three of those horns or three of those kings will be displaced. And the Antichrist is going to rise at that time. And he is going to have world power or world dominance over all of these other kingdoms. 
In Daniel chapter 7, verse number 8, he describes the Antichrist's were, uh, a rise to power. Look with me here, if you would, in Daniel 7, 8. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. So Daniel here in Daniel chapter seven describes these kings that arise, this one little horn that arises and he gains power by removing or plucking out by the root three of these other horns. Horns are a, are, are a picture of these world powers. And so as you're studying through Daniel, or we are studying here today in Revelation and Daniel, those horns that we're seeing, they are pictures of world powers or kings that are, that are, that are forming this alliance. The little horn is the Antichrist. He is an expert in policy. He's an expert in, skill, in skilled in diplomacy. And the Antichrist is, is, is pivotal moment politically and his, his moment when he is going to, to rise to power is, many believe this, is going to be what allows this treaty with Israel to take place where there's peace. Now, we've studied that in previous weeks, but the Antichrist is going to form a, a treaty with Israel. Today, even today, and up until that time, Israel is, is constantly in threat of war. Israel is, is constantly afraid, whether it be Iran or, or Hezbollah or, or another nation that has threatened Israel, she's constantly afraid of nations all around her that want to see her destroyed. But the Antichrist is going to have the power, and he is going to emerge and he is going to give Israel this peace that she seeks, that she longs for. We find this in Daniel chapter number nine, verse number 26. If you'll follow along there with me, after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with the flood and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consumption, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And so we find that he is going to confirm this covenant. He is going to allow this, this treaty to take place where Israel feels at peace. But then what is going to happen is that Antichrist that we read of here, he is going to violate that treaty. He's going to go against that treaty, and the world powers are going to come against Israel to attack Israel. We find this, the Antichrist position in prophecy. So as we study prophecy, what is the Antichrist, his position in prophecy? I want you to see here in Daniel chapter 8, verse number 25, and through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by uh, peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. You notice in the beginning of this verse, it says this, and through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. In today we're looking at a world that economically it's failing. They're trying to figure out 
how the, uh, the, they can come together and, and increase the economy and increase the wealth of the world. And the Antichrist is going to come together and with his policy, also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. Meaning this, he is going to have skill in diplomacy. All the answers that the world is looking for, they're going to find he is going to emerge in all of the answers that they're seeking, all the answers they're, they're trying to find. There's going to be one that's going to rise up and he is going to give them the answers they think they need to prosper. And because of this, they're going to follow him. We find this as, as well. I want to look this morning as the Antichrist, his prominence in the world. The Antichrist's prominence in this world. Notice with me in Revelation chapter number 13, in verse number 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And listen to this the dragon gave him power, and his seat, and his authority. He is going to have power. He is going to have this seat and this authority because Satan is going to give this to him. The Antichrist is going to be filled with Satan. Satan is going to be controlling him. Satan is going to be giving him the power to be the ruler. Another power given, I want you to see in Revelation 13, 11, and 12, and behold, uh, beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and he causeth the earth uh, and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast who de whose deadly wound was healed. Here we find that there is going to be an event that takes place where the Antichrist is wounded and wounded to death. And for some reason, he, God is going to allow him to uh, be resurrected. And because of that, many are going to see him and believe him and even put more faith in who this man is because they see this wound that he has and that he's healed from this wound. And they're going to believe that he is God because he's going to survive or come back to life from this wound. In Revelation 17, 17, verses 12 and 13, these 10 ruling world powers are going to give their, their uh, 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 okay and in, 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 into this, rule, this ruler. Look, look with me here in these two verses. In the 10 horns which thou sawest are 10 kings. And so here, here John is saying those 10 horns, those are 10 kings here which have received no kingdoms as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. And so we find that the nations of this world, the rulers of this world, they are going to give themselves and allow this antichrist to have all the power he needs to rule. He, they're going to give him all the power he needs to form a treaty with Israel. <laughs> Further, boasting the, the Antichrist, his popularity, I want you to see in Revelation 13.3, his death, as I mentioned, his death, he, he dies, and I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after this beast. God's going to allow him to be resurrected, and the world is going to literally worship this man. 
This man is not just going to be one that has the political uh, uh, answers, uh, the economic answers, but this man, he is going to, to be resurrected. And what is going to happen is the world is going to wonder they're going to follow him and they're going to begin to worship him. He no longer is going to be a political leader or an economic leader. Now he's going to exalt himself and he is going to be a religious leader. He is going to say that he is not only the, uh, uh, the, the answer for uh, economic things, he is now the answer for religion as well. He's going to exalt himself as God. I want you to see this, the defiance, the defiance of the beast. In Revelation 13, five and six, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And the power was given unto him to continue 40 uh, continue 40 in two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. The Antichrist is going to defy all that is holy and all that is godly. The Antichrist is going to set himself up and he is going to say that he is the Messiah. He is God. He is the one to be worshiped. He is the one to be praised. It's not enough that he wants to set himself up economically. He wants to rule the world from a religious standpoint as well. He wants to be the one world ruler in every aspect of the earth. And we're going to find that that takes place. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says this, and then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. See, the sad thing is going to take place is that the Antichrist, the Bible says he's going to give a great lie and they're going to believe this lie. The world seeks so badly for peace, for economic success. The world is seeking for someone so badly that they can turn to to give them all the answers they need that they are going to believe. This one, the Antichrist. He's going to promote himself to be God. He's going to use lies in, 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 in uh, lying wonders, the Bible says, signs and lying wonders. He will say anything. He will do anything so that he is exalted to this place. The Antichrist, I want you to see this today. The Antichrist is going to have a blasphemous mouth. There's two ways in which he is going to express his defiance toward God. The first, he's going to have a blasphemous mouth. Daniel 7, 8, I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them another little horn. That's the Antichrist before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots and behold, in his horns were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. He with ever swelling pride, he is going to exalt himself greater than God. He is going to convince the world he is God. 
He's going to blaspheme with his mouth. He's going to speak these great things saying that he is God. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time in time of the dividing of time. Also, we're going to find this to be true. The Antichrist is going to have a blasphemous religion. He is going to blaspheme God in religion, Revelation 13, 14. He's going to ascribe worship to himself and shall deceive them that dwell on earth by the means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which have uh, the wound by a sword and did live. He's going to begin, like we saw in Nebuchadnezzar's day, he's going to make an image and all are going to worship him. He's going to set up the, the, where all the world has to worship. So he is going to be the one world ruler economically. He's going to be the one world ruler uh, uh, in religion. And all the world is going to be set up to worship him. In verse number 15 of Revelation 13, the Bible says, and he had power to give life under the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as should not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And this is what the Antichrist is going to do. During the time of the tribulation when he's reigning, all those that deny to worship him, he's going to have killed. This is not going to be an option. You're not going to have a choice. The Antichrist is going to set up the image just like Nebuchadnezzar set up the image and the decree is going to be the same. If you don't bow, you will die. And he's given this power. Then in complete defiance, the Antichrist is going to exalt himself in the Jewish temple and demand to be worshiped. In 2 Thessalonians 2.4, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now this is interesting, and I don't have the time to develop this thought. But if you were to study today, you would find that as soon as the Jews have the permission and the ability Everything necessary, everything needed to rebuild the temple is ready. They're working on all of the furniture. They're working on all the things necessary. If they had permission today, if they could today go to the, to the place of the temple mount, they would begin to build the temple. All the plans are ready to be built. And many would believe this to be the case. The Antichrist, one of the things that he is going to allow is for the Jews to reestablish their temple and build the temple there. They're going to do it so they can worship their God. The Antichrist, once it is built and once he establishes his authority, he is going to sit in that temple and he is going to say, I am God. And those that do not worship me, those that do not bow to me, those that do not exalt me, they are going to be put to death. You see, the Antichrist is not a, a, a ruler of peace. He's going to lie. He's going to use peace as a, as a reason for his power, only to find this, when he gets into power, it's all a lie. He exalted himself. 
He puts himself in this place. And I want you to see the dominance here of the beast, the dominance of the beast. In Revelation 13, 7 and 8, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over the kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, the lamb slain for the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword shall be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. We find, uh, 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 next I want you to see this, the power to fight the saints. In the name of world peace, the Antichrist is going to initiate a level of anti-Semitism and he's going to persecute Gentile believers. He's going to do this because he's going to say we need peace. He's going to say that these are against world peace. So he's going to have a treaty that's going to bring peace. And he's going to stand before the world. And he's going to say that there is no peace because of the Jews. There are no peace because of the Gentile that are believers that are saved there during the tribulation time. And then what he's going to do. In Revelation 13, 7, it was given unto him to make war with the saints. He's, a, he's going to make war. He's going to, in Revelation 5, 9, sorry, I'm going the wrong way. Here we go. The saints referred to uh, here in Revelation 5, 9, those are who have trusted Christ as Savior during the tribulation. All, all those during the tribulation time, there are going to be some that trust Christ as their Savior. He says, so there's going to be saints during the tribulation time. He's going to go against those, those that are going to uh, reject the, the mark of the beast. There are going to, the gospel witnesses going to be given during the tribulation time. There are going to be some that are saved during the tribulation time. We find this to be true in Revelation 5, 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. There's going to be power to rule the nations. Turn with me if you would, please. And we'll be finished here this morning. I want you to turn to Revelation. Turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 13. Last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter number 13. In verse number 16, Revelation 13, 16, the Bible says this, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and on their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save that he hath the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Now, I want you to notice something in verse number 16. Many people think, well, if there's a mark, and how, how is it going to stay on if it's written on my forehead or written on my hand? You notice in verse number 16, it doesn't say on. He says, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. There's going to be a, whether it be a computer chip, whether it be some kind of uh, uh, electronic device, there is going to be something inserted in their hand and in their, in their head. And all those that reject or all those that refuse to worship 
the, 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 the Antichrist, they will not receive this mark. And if they do not receive this mark, the Bible says they can't buy, they can't sell, they can't trade, they can't work. The Antichrist is gonna control what's sold, what's bought, who works, who has money. He's gonna control the entire world, the economy of the world by this mark that he puts in their hand or in their forehead. How many of you have heard the reference, the mark of the beast? That is exactly what Revelation chapter 13 is talking about. He's gonna give the power, the power that is worshiped. In Revelation 13, four, you're there in Revelation, stay there in verse four with me. And they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? They're worshiping him. The, the, the whole goal of the Antichrist is to come to the place of worship. Revelation 13, eight, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life slain from the foundations of the world. And he exerciseth all power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to exalt himself. He's going to say, I am, I am God. He's going to sit in the temple there in Jerusalem and he's going to exalt himself. He's going to say, all the world must worship me. You must take a mark, the mark of the beast in your hand or in your forehead and you can't buy, sell or trade. If you don't take this mark, if you don't worship, you're going to die. Miserable time upon this earth. The entire world is saying, peace, 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 answers, peace. But what they don't understand is peace can only be found in Jesus. The world leaders have gathered this past week to find answers to the economic condition, find answers to the world's problems, only to neglect that the answers are only found in Jesus Christ. Oh, listen to me, if you're here today and you're searching for peace and searching for answers, you'll never find contentment. You'll never find joy. You'll never find what you're seeking unless you find it through Jesus. The things of this world don't bring happiness, don't bring joy. It's only for a moment and then you're left empty again. That's exactly what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to promise and promise and promise and they're going to find that all of it is just a lie. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 20, and the beast was taken. And with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. This is what's going to happen. There is going to be an event that takes place where Christ is going to come back. He is going to return and he is going to cast that beast. He is going to cast the Antichrist. He is going to cast Satan into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Listen to me today. The Antichrist may think that he's going to have world dominance. He may think that he's in control. The devil might think that he's got it all down. But I want you to know the Bible doesn't end with the Antichrist in control. He doesn't end with the Antichrist bringing judgment against Israel and against God's people, the saints. We find that Jesus Christ is going to come back and he is going to take the Antichrist. He is going to take the devil himself and cast them. He's going to cast them alive into the lake of fire with brimstone. 
He's going to, I like that word cast. He's not just going to usher him there. He's going to pick him up and throw him in that place. Because he's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the victor. Satan might think that he has victory for a period of time, but that is only limited. He is going to be limited because there is going to be the true king of kings, the true prince of peace. He is going to come. He's going to pick Satan up by his collar and his belt loop and cast him in the lake of fire. <laughs> Listen to me, that Antichrist is going to come, but only to be defeated by Jesus Christ. 